FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked, I'm your host, Jason Venable, and if all goes according to plan, and let's be honest, doesn't happen a whole lot in these here parts, <laughs> but if all goes according to plan, this will be a supplemental episode to a corresponding episode with the Excalibros covering the Dawn of X, or at least the latest round of the Dawn of X books. Um, I have a few comics that I'm not covering with them that I want to talk about just briefly, um, and it will be probably pretty brief if the episode goes anything close to normal length. It's just because there's a bunch of books, not because <coughs> there's a lot on each book necessarily. Um, in fact, one of them we're not even going to really talk about. So there's a Venom the End, which I did not read. I did flip through. It does have a version of a Wolverine head in it as a potential uh, symbiote host in this kind of end-of-time storyline. Um, I just wasn't interested. It, it had something that might be interesting to, like, big video game players. It looked like it was kind of told, like, you know, there was lots of, like, power-up and compatibility scores and stuff like that, so other people might really like it. It didn't look like something I necessarily wanted to spend money on. And so I am not. Plus, I mean, it's one tiny little Wolverine head. And there's a lot of words in this book. <laughs> I just don't have time. The word to Wolverine ratio is is way too high uh, for me to uh, to cover this book on the podcast. Especially since I, it's not like a, it's not our Wolverine, it's a Wolverine. And I'll cover those sometimes, right? Um... You know, when it, when it makes sense and when I want to. <laughs> hey, when you have your podcast, you can cover Venom the End from cover to cover. But I, I'm not going to. I am, however, going to cover The Ruins of Ravencroft, Sabretooth number one. This is written by Wolverine alum Frank Thierry. Uh, art in the modern day is... Angel Unzueta, art in the flashbacks are Guillermo Sana, colors are by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters are by VCs Travis. Um, there's a cover by Gerardo Sandoval and uh, Romulo Fajardo Jr. And there's an alternate cover, which I don't always talk about, but it's going to be relevant in a second, by uh, Miko Seon, maybe, I think, and Frank Diamarta. And then all the graphic design is by Anthony Gambino. So on our main cover by Sandoval, it's a pretty cool cover. Um, I mean, Sandoval is very stylized, kind of a cross between like Joe Mad and Umberto Ramos, maybe in a way. Not quite, Ramos may be a stretch, but it's not quite as clean as Joe Mad either. So I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I'm, there's another person I kind of think of when I think of Sandoval. But anyway, it's kind of 90s, or like late 90s in style. 
Um, it is very stylized, but this cover works pretty well. But it's weird. So it's Wolverine in his original costume, his Hulk 181 costume, uh, crouching in front of a full moon. And it looks pretty nice. Like I said, very stylized, pretty nice. But Sabretooth's name is on this cover. The book is ostensibly centered around Sabretooth. Sabretooth is nowhere to be found in this image. It's all Wolverine. Now, I mentioned the variant cover, which I don't always read the variant cover credits unless I have the issue. Um, and I don't have the issue, but I did look up. So Sabretooth is front and center on the variant cover to his own book, <laughs> which, which I thought was interesting. It is a pretty good cover as well. Um, it's just a big, giant Sabretooth in a, some rubble. Um, and it looks nice, too. So both, both good covers. Um, yeah. All right, so Ruins of Ravencroft follows up Absolute Carnage. Now, remember from that story when Ethan and I talked about it, um, that one of the things that Carnage did was destroy Ravencroft and reanimated some... Er, I don't think he really reanimated corpses, but he took over some of the the loonies in the bin, <laughs> so to speak. Um, some of the inmates, sorry, that's the right word, um, with Carnage symbiotes and stuff like that, you know, use the symbiote's madness to bond with their madness and really kind of dispel carnage, <laughs> right? As they say. So now in the follow-up of that, the Kingpin, as mayor of New York, having jurisdiction, and then also with the enlisting of Reed Richards, Misty Knight, and John Jameson, are kind of inspecting the grounds. And they find an old lab, and they find these cells... Uh, John Jameson seems like a, a body that was left in there that was dead and looked like it had been dead for a long time, like an episode of Bones. Um, and they see this door, it says, Unwanted. And they go in there and these monsters attack them. And you would, and Misty has a book. She found a book in the lab that they don't even really necessarily reference. Um, you see it on the table. And then she picks it up and then talks about something else, and it's in her hand, and it's in her hand when the monsters come through the floor, but they don't, the characters don't read it, but we're just going to get stories from the book, and one of these stories involves Sabretooth. It actually starts off with, like, the land that Ravencroft was built on, it goes back to the Revolutionary War, uh, with the Revolutionary Captain America, and kind of moves through time. There is a cool panel from 1820, with a ghost rider that's the uh, headless horseman, and he's got like a flaming skull in his hand, whereas, you know, like he removed his head. Kind of interesting. And then has a, a scroll invasion in 1891, which is fun. Has uh, Tyrannus, you know, from the uh, the underground guy um, in one of the panels. So it just kind of shows different ways this land was impacted until Jonas Ravencroft comes along. And we see his journal. And he talks about wanting to build Arkham Asylum. I mean, uh, Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane. And we see one of his partner doctors, or two of his, his doctors. We have um, Claudia, Dr. Claudia, and Dr. Nathaniel Essex, who, of course, we know is Mr. Sinister. And we also see a cool, like, Mr. Sinister's shadow behind the doctor's body on the wall. Um, and so... Dr. Ravencroft says he's suspicious of Essex, but, you know, allows him to do his experiments. And then we get a guy, Victor, who is an aide of Essex at the Institute. 
and we see that he has found Logan. And he found Logan at a scene of a bloodbath, and we see the paper, an old copy of the Daily Bugle. Um, by the way, this is set in 1909. Um, and we see the Knickerbocker Knifer strikes again. <laughs> Funny name. And Creed's like a note with you. I found you at the scene, and I know it's not the first time that and he references his sister and his brother. So, a reference to the story from Origin 2, which also involved, of course, Mr. Sinister, um, and then Sabretooth's uh, family, his siblings. Um, so, he wants to get some revenge, and he's going to make Logan suffer. And so, Logan's in a, in a straight jacket, heavily sedated, and he's been lobotomized. And, of course, Sabretooth calls him Runt. Um... But then Dr. Exits comes in and says, I don't want you to harm the bunny. I've been hunting this specimen for a long time, and I finally found him. I know you have a history, and I know you owe him some payback, but you're not going to get it. I'm going to do experiments. And then he brings out a bone saw, and he cuts Logan's arm off. And Sabretooth's like, hey, looks like you got it covered. (laughs) Pain and torture in spades. I'm going to let it go. And then we see at that night... uh, Logan on the on the bed with his amputated arm bandaged up and Dr. Claudia comes in and she's going to let him go. She's tired of ethics and his horrible experiments. She doesn't know why Dr. Ravencroft lets him stay there and work there, but she's had enough. And so she's going to let Logan go. She's trying to drag him out, but Victor interrupts, knocks Logan out of her arms and says, I'm going to kill you, um, basically. And then Logan wakes up with his good arm and with a big snick through the lower jaw, like up through the head of Victor, a classic Wolverine move with a nice snick. And Sabretooth's like, ah, and he falls over, throws Wolverine to the side, though, or Logan to the side. And Dr. Claudia says, Logan, run. Run. Get your freedom. I'll, I'll deal with this. And Sabretooth's like, ah. Just so you know, Dr. Claudia, I heal fast, too. And he's about to kill her, but she says, You thought he was the Knickerbocker Knifer? No, it was me. And she turns into a werewolf. And she attacks Sabretooth. (laughs) But then she gets hit with a shot, a sedative, a tranquilizer, and is Dr. Essex. And he's like, Oh, wow, a new specimen. I lost one, but I got this one. And then so later, Dr. Ravencroft gets a note of Dr. Claudia's resignation. And then we see from Dr. Exis, uh, from Mr. Sinister's office um, a secret stairway into a secret basement where he's um, basically doing an autopsy on the werewolf. And then we go back to present day where uh, the Kingpin and his associates fight off the monsters, escape back, and slam the door shut and then to be continued. And there's going to be more of these books that I probably won't read. Um, so I thought the art was okay. I like the flashback art better than the modern day art. And of course that's the one that concerns our story, actually. Um, I thought the story was fine. I like I liked the connection to Origin 2. Oh, that part was fun. Um, I like seeing like old school uh, Dr. Essex like in olden times doing his like creepy science experiments um, under the guise of uh, 
appropriate medicine. I'm, I'm always a sucker for that kind of stuff. I like having Victor Sabretooth be in there. Um, he'd been looking for Logan. He found him, kind of pinned this murder on him, was going to have him, like, basically experimented on and tortured. <sighs> Maybe he's a little highbrow <laughs> for Sabretooth. Seems like he wouldn't go through the trouble and the scheme of, like, turning Logan over to Mr. Sinister, but, I mean, it tracks to a degree. Um, you definitely want him to be tortured. It just seems like he would do it himself. But maybe he needed the lobotomy to make it work. Of course, we know Logan's going to heal up, and his brain will heal up, too, and it's all good. Um, so I don't like the framing sequence really at all. I'm really completely uninterested in the Ravencroft monster story I think it's really just going to serve as a frame for all these journal excerpts. I think all these are going to be like period pieces. I don't know that for sure. And like I said, I probably won't find out. But um, the, the Sabretooth Logan part of the story was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, Logan's pretty much in a... Well, a lobotomized state the whole time. <laughs> so we don't get a whole lot of insight like into him or his background. Um, and Victor is sadistic, as he should be, and violent. And Mr. Sinister is, you know, evil scientist. So it all it all sounds good. Nothing really new added to the stories, but I like the connected tissue, like I said, to Origin 2. And it was, I mean, it was fun enough. So I'm going to give Ruins of Ravencroft... Sabretooth with Wolverine on the cover. A solid 4 out of 6 claws. Alright, so now we're going to do a couple more Dawn of X. Um, we have X-Force and Fallen Angels number 5s. Um, X-Force number 5 is Once Bitten. Um, this is written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Joshua Cassara. Colors by Dean White and Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by VCs Joe Caramania, designed by Tom Mueller, and cover by Dustin Weaver and Edgar Delgado. So these covers are, are getting better as they go. Uh, I think number four had been my favorite cover to that point. Uh, number five is going to be my favorite cover to this point. And in his forge, and his kind of bio-Krakoan weapons, he's got a bunch of guns laid out on the floor that look all alien and planty, and he's got some 90s level, like, straps and guns and badges and stuff, uh, pouches made out of Krakoan stuff uh, adorning his uniform. And then behind him, he almost has like a Krakoan mecha suit. And then like the planty hands on this thing look really cool. Um, probably my favorite part of the cover, which is a weird thing to say sometimes when you pick out like a weird detail. But um, anyway, I thought it was interesting. So it's, it's a good cover. Um... So I was wrong. I was looking up something here on, on the interwebs and um, did not find what I thought I would find. Um, but that's okay. So yeah, X-Force number five. Remember that uh, when we left off the cliffhanger, um, Wolverine, Quentin Choir, Domino were heading to stop these terrorists from... Uh, robbing a Krakoan complex, but the gate shut in transfer, uh, cutting Logan in half and decapitating Quentin Choir. And that's where we pick up. Logan's in half. He was pretty mad 
and they're trying to call him on the radio, and the, uh, the bad guys are like, I think he's still alive, as we look at Quentin Quire's head with his glasses on the ground, and they're like, if he is, he's dying. And so they all leave, and then of course he mutters, Dom, hurry. And so we see Domino on the other side with the other half of Wolverine's body, and Quentin Quire's headless body, and Domino's like, all right, I know you're in pain. I'm sorry. Hold on. You came to get me after they skinned me alive. I will come to get you. And though, so then she goes, she's talking to Sage. Sage says the closest gate is 10 miles away, but there might be another option. And we see Gateway and Black Tom comes to life out of the vegetation, which the monster aspect of this book and what I wanted to look up, because I couldn't remember the guy's name, um... But it's not this guy. But if you ever read the first couple arcs of Manifest Destiny, which is kind of a um, image book, this is like an alternate American lore kind of book. Um, there's some like forest creatures and stuff like that. Some of this, the better part of this art reminds me of that. I don't think it's quite as good, but it reminds me of that. Um, but anyway. Um, Black Tom is able to insist that Gateway teleports Domino. So Gateway goes that way. Domino complains that she moves Wolverine's body out of the way that it's so heavy because of the adamantium. Um, and then Forge comes up in his giant Krakoan mecha and gives Domino some more stuff. And we can go back to the Krakoan green store place and these guys are trying to loot it. But then we get a skinch as we see bloody claws come through a guy's chest. And we get this sadistically, like almost like Lobo-esque, Joker-esque grinning Wolverine or half Wolverine on top of the guy's back with his claws in him and his entrails are coming out of his tummy and he has no legs. Um, so the, this pisses off the guards right off. They pump Wolverine full of lead. We get a very grotesque panel of his half-body being shot to pieces, laying on the ground in blood, and that is when Gateway, Domino, and Forge show up. Um, Beast is on the other side of the columns. He's reminding Domino that not only does Krakoan law say not to kill humans, but they need survivors to get some information. So Domino is able to turn her weapon into a shield instead, and some of the bad guys start getting away. Domino tells Logan to look after Wolverine. Or sorry, tells Forge to look after Wolverine. And she turns her Krakoan instrument into like a catcher. <laughs> like these tendrils that like catch a bad guy. And she starts to beat up on him. She's about to kill him. Beast reminds her not to. Uh, Forge takes two halves of Wolverine and squishes them together with a sclunch. So they can start to knit themselves back together. Um... Gateway teleports himself into the helicopter, kills him, apparently, the pilot, with the, the troops inside, teleports back out and watches the helicopter crash, which seems very not Gateway at all. Like, he's normally a passive, like, I'll help the X-Men, but to contribute to the violence seems weird. I didn't really like it, among other things. Um... So Wolverine wants to get down. Domino shoots another guy after she gets information. Or no, she shoots one of the survivors. Then there's one left. 
beast again is like you can't kill him. We get a fake snit, a schnit with an H, as Domino pops her Krakoan claws, and she really wants to kill the guy. The beast is like, please, you don't. It's like, no, I have a family, blah, blah, blah. And then we go back to Krakoa. There's a sunset on a cliff. Domino and Wolverine have a beer. This is actually the best page of the book. So, um, Logan walks up. Domino's sitting there. He's like, how are you holding up? She's like, oh, I should ask you. And he's like, ah, I'll be fine. I feel like crap, but it'll heal. And she's like, what about the other wounds up here? She kind of ruffles his hair. And he's like, well, that's what the whiskey's for. <laughs> Domino asks how quick it is, and Wolverine says he's in the oven. Um, let's enjoy the quiet while we can. Best page of the book by far. So then we go to the survivor. He's in a Krakoan interrogation room. Beast and Jean are in there. They get a little bit of information. Then Jean pries out. He may not know who paid him, but he knows he had a peacock tattoo. And that's the end. Um... Don't really like Jean Grey inter. I don't know her interrogation about this, this book, man. I don't know. I was starting to think maybe it was getting better. No, I'm not so sure. I just look just pure taste, right? And you may completely disagree, and that's fine. And there's room for you to to come and tell me why I'm wrong, please, if, if you're into this book. I'm just not into the uber gory violence anymore, if I ever was. Um, like, you know, the panel of Wolverine, like, or sorry, half Wolverine, like, bleeding out over this guy with his claw and this mani- maniacal smile is supposed to be, like, awesome and badass. And I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, that's kind of gross. And the scene of him, like, full of bullet holes and blood and guts and, you know, his body being torn off into chunks. Okay, like, yeah. And, you know, what I want to say is, is maybe this book isn't bad, it's just not for me. Not my book. Um, which worries me a little bit because Percy, of course, is writing the upcoming Wolverine solo series. But then we get moments like the scene on the cliff, which feel very much like Logan, and like Percy has a good handle on Logan, and the art's a little better. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. This book... I just don't know. Conceptually, not bad. I don't love the execution. I don't love the art. Is it terrible? No. I don't know. I, I really... Because it's selling really well. And I wonder... If, if you're buying this book and enjoying this book, and there's more to it than just, oh... I like kind of the, the tribute to 90s level, like, extreme comics. Um, if you're actually, like, enjoying the book on a different level, please let me know. I really want to hear some dissenting opinion, if you have it. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm in a low three at best on this book. Um, I feel like I'm being a little generous with that, maybe. I really don't care for the art, for the most part. It makes it really hard for me to, to grade this book very highly. Um, no, I didn't really enjoy it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go two out of six claws, with maybe a, a four out of six for that one page, but that doesn't really count. Um, yeah, two out of six for me. So, Fallen Angels number five, 
is the penultimate issue of this series. Um, this is Lead the Way, and it is written by Brian Hill, art by Simone Kordansky, colors by Frank Marta, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, designed again by Tom Mueller. The cover is by Ashley Winter. Right? Did I say that right? Yes, sorry. Um, and on this cover we have Psylocke, or Quanon, I'm sorry, uh, with her sword. And then behind her, looking a little bit cooler, is Kid Cable with a hood on and a glowing eye. Um, actually, I think if you took Quanon or Quanon off of this cover and it was just uh, Kid Cable, it's a better cover. But I digress. Alright, so remember. Uh, Quanon is trying to find Apoth, who calls him mother, and figure out what's going on with this kind of tech drug. Um, we start off with X-23 pulling a team together. Uh, of course, K-Cable, who's already part of the team, he was uh, released by Apoth. And we have Paige um, Guthrie, and we have Bling. And kind of their idea is that, yeah, we're in paradise, but... There's a lot of injustice out there, and is it right to ignore the humans? Even if it puts us at odds with this place. And they go out of the way to say, we're not X-Force. <laughs> we're not a sanctioned Black Ops team. We're an unsanctioned Black Ops team. Um, they're really talking about um, a, a page. It's actually a really good line. I haven't really been enjoying this book, but there's some scenes in here that actually work for me. Because she says, I thought the whole point of the Krakoa things, we don't have to care about what happens to the humans. And Laura, God bless her, actually sounding like Laura, says, does that feel right to you, living like that? And Paige puts her head down. No. I love it. I mean, it sounds like Laura, which has not happened in this book yet. Only took five issues <laughs> for her to sound like Laura, but it does. And, you know, she says, all right, we got a squad. Oh, you know what? I can... So we are going with Psylocke as Quanda's official code name. She's keeping the Psylocke name. Um, so X-23 says, Well, I'll tell Psylocke we got a team to hunt down Apoth. So then we go to Psylocke meditating. Um, X-23 comes up. They have a discussion about God, which seems kind of weird. Uh, Laura says, You know, if you ask me if I believe in God, I say no. I'm kind of hoping there's something beyond us. And then Psylocke goes to Mr. Sinister, and he makes her a little device she can put on her head to access Apoth. She locates him in Dubai, and that's where they're going to go. Um, then we get some flashback to Psylocke's hand training, where she killed her previous master because he wanted her to. And then I can't tell if she's imagining that she's doing sword kata with Captain Britain, Braddock, Betsy, or if they're really, like, training together, but she leaves saying, I won't be whole until we're completely separate. Like, I guess they're still a part of... It feels like they're still a part of Betsy in her, and that's why I'm wondering if maybe this is all in her head. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, then uh, Laura trains her, her squad. Um, so we have some training scenes. I kind of wish I had made Dan read this, because we get a foot claw. <laughs> <laughs> where she draws a line in the sand with her foot claw, which is, I don't know, that's okay, I guess. Um, 
And we do more and more training, more kind of fighting. Cyglock shows up with a new uniform and says, I know you guys don't trust me. I probably haven't earned your trust. But I want you to know that if you come with me, if you give me your trust anyway, I will die to protect you, and I will kill to protect you. Your lives are worth more to me than mine. And we can't just see injustice out there and let it go. And they say, this is paradise. We're the fallen angels. Ah, title, shout out. Um, you know, they will go out of paradise and save the rest of the world. Um, and they're not fighting for mutants necessarily. So, you know, we have the Marauders going out. So, book five, about to end. First time I feel like this book has any purpose, any thesis, any good character work. Like, if this had been issue one, or at least issue two, I think this series would be on a lot better footing with me. Not great, and I still don't like the art. <laughs> but the writing is a lot better, this issue. Um, so Magneto comes up to Psylocke later and says, Hey, I want you to know that I don't, I believe in Krakoa. I don't think the humans need our help, our protection, or our justice. But you don't need to ask my permission. Right? You can do what you need to do. You have my support. You have my help. You have my trust. You have my understanding. Um, and maybe it'll be good for the humans to know that Krakoa still has an eye on the world outside. And so he opens up the ground and gives her a big metal plane. And our, our fallen angels fly in a plane towards Dubai to confront Apoth. Alright. Do not like this art, like I said. Yeah, I like Fredansky in theory. I've seen him do good stuff. I've talked about that before. I don't need to rehash all that again. I just, I'm not digging it. I'm not digging it in this book. Colors aren't really working for me either. Um, parts of the story are really dumb still. Um, the Apoth thing just isn't really doing much for me. Not crazy about the, the conversations between Psylocke and Sinister, which I originally thought was maybe the best part of issue one. Um, the meditation, whatever. But Laura feels right to me. That goes a long way. Uh, and also, I like the idea of the purpose, right? Because we have all our different teams. We have, you know, X-Men is kind of the book of, of Krakoa. Different things going on, like propelling the universe forward. Um... New Mutants is just awesome. Um, Marauders is a team of Krakoans going outside of Krakoa to save other mutants. X-Force is like the security force protecting Krakoan's interest outside of Krakoa, sometimes. Um, what are the other ones? <laughs> Hold on. Excalibur. Yes, you know, the magic book. Whatever. That's that purpose, I guess. Um, and then this one. To protect humans, still. Krakoan's kind of forgotten about humans, and this, this team wants to go out and fight for humans. If, I actually feel like maybe this book has surpassed Excalibur as far as having like a clear purpose. It's not as good. But I like the idea. I like the concept now that I actually know what it is. It's really too bad it took this long to get there. Um, I feel like the writing was better. Like I said, Laura feels a lot more like Laura. Um adding the other characters adds a little bit. We don't get a whole lot of depth from Paige or Bling, 
a little bit. I like the Magneto part. Um, and it kind of says, I, this is not my mission. I don't really know if I, how much I care about the humans, but you know what? Hey, maybe it'll help our, our dealings if they know that we're still kind of looking out for them. So, you know, have fun. <laughs> anyway, um, so I kind of want to bump this book up to a three, which will probably be the first time for this book, but I don't know with the art if I can. I just don't know. I really don't like it. I'm going to give this more than what I gave it last time. I think last time I gave it one out of six. If I if I can have a strong two out of six clause, I'm going to go with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is about equal with X-Force um, for different reasons. So yeah, there you go. Alright, last but not least, we have The Amazing Spider-Man number 36, which has a very brief kind of Wolverine appearance. Um, so this is the end of the 2099 story, at least as far as the Spider-Man part of it goes. Or as far as the Amazing Spider-Man part of it goes. This is Time After Time. Written by Nick Spencer, art by Oscar Balzadua, uh, colors by Steve Fachow, Fachow, uh, letters by Mises Joe Caramagna, and the covers by Tony Daniel and Edgar Delgado. And this cover is nice. Daniel Spider-Man is jumping, swinging through the air with a giant spider web behind him, and the New York skyline below him. It looks really good, actually, quite good. Um, all right, so. We're at the end of this story of the attempted assassination of Doctor Doom uh, with the barely there 2099 tie-in. And Spider-Man is using his little device called the Clairvoyant that shows different options from alternate timelines of different outcomes. And he's trying to find a way to beat Doom. But everything he sees ends in him being blasted by Doctor Doom into a fiery skeleton. So he's not digging that. And one of the options he sees is a all-hands approach, he calls it, which is all the heroes fighting giant Doctor Doom, and of course Wolverine is included in those. Um, and so he goes through different scenarios, none of them really work. He figures the only one is to fight him alone, which the scenario says won't work, but he's got a twist. With a twist! And basically appeals to Doom's ego. He says, someone's trying to manipulate you. I can't tell you who hired the assassins, but this is what they want. They want you to cause havoc and damage in New York and start a war. And are you going to let them control you like that? And he's like, hmm, well, I guess not. So he starts to leave, but on his way out, his army of Doombots destroy a bunch of stuff, like the New York Library, and the Met, and the Statue of Liberty. And Spider-Man's like, what are you doing? And Zoom's like, silence, as he blasts him, and then he, he flies off. Then we get a random 2099 scene, which I guess comes after 2099 Omega, but, but Miguel O'Hara shows up on the beach somewhere, somewhen, and meets a girl with a baby. And then Spider-Man goes back to college and says, you know what, I'm gonna, we're going to invest in this thing. And then we get the, um, the lady who was trying to take over some carrier from Silver Sable. She visits Silver Sable in the hospital. She's starting to get better, but she says, you know what, our plan worked. 
Our bullet that shot the Doombot was not an assassination attempt. It was a computerized bullet, and it hacked the Doombot armor. And then we were able to take over the other Doombots, and Doom didn't cause the destruction we did. But he's so prideful, he couldn't admit that he lost control, and he'd rather take the blame than admit failure, so I think we're going to get our war anyway. And that's that. So art, quite good. Stories, pretty good. It's a nice end of the story. I don't really know what 2099 had to do with any of this other than an unnecessary tie-in to those other, that little event. Um, so who cares about that? But this was probably the strongest chapter of this actual story. Um, I'm going to give Amazing Spider-Man 36 five out of six claws. Best book of the episode. <laughs> so there you go. A mini supplemental episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what will be next. Uh, everything's kind of a lot in the air right now. I'm trying to nail down some schedule things. But um, something will be next. And hopefully you'll enjoy it. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> so as always for the podcast that goes snicked. You can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. Show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And until next time, that's it. Hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked.